This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and as usual I am joined by David Hughes. How are you doing mate? I'm good, thank you Josh. Good, I'm better. Do you know why? Go on. Well, we're going to address it immediately. We're going to be, it's going to be our first talking point today, but we, Liverpool, it's Thursday today, we are recording on the Thursday morning and this morning news broke regarding, I'm not even going to attempt his first name, yeah. um, but it's Minamino, uh, transfer news, Red Bull Salzburg attacker, apparently on the verge of joining Liverpool. So we're obviously going to get, obviously going to be able to address that. Um, and then we're gonna we're gonna talk about the upcoming matches, upcoming match with Watford, and we're gonna look back at Bournemouth and Salzburg as well. But yeah, me and me all surprised. I was surprised, yeah, but um, it's an exciting move for Liverpool. Um, you know, he's a really good player over those two games that um, that Liverpool played against Salzburg, and um, yeah, wasn't expecting it. Didn't really hear any links, but um, good move. Very good move, especially for a side like Liverpool. Yeah, it's Takumi Minamino for those that aren't aware. That's not bad, that means. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's a genius, man. I think it's it just makes so much sense. I come in today uh, and I wasn't aware of it until I actually sat down in my desk. And the more I wrote about it, I've got a piece, should be going up. So by the time this podcast's gone up, the piece will be probably on my Twitter, at Distance Covered. But the more I was writing about him, the more I was thinking to myself, this just makes absolute sense uh, for, you know, an absolute variety of reasons, as you can see on the agenda, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, no, listen, I totally agree. He's a, yeah, he's just a really exciting player. He's he's come from a side that's similar to Liverpool, but obviously Liverpool are better. Um, I think that's crucial, though. Yeah. I think if, you, if you're trying to build this identity, which, which we talk about quite a lot, you know, intensity is our identity and all stuff like that. High tempo football, high risk, um, lots of endeavour, lots of risk taking and things like that on the pitch. You have to buy players that are suitable to that brand of football so that that brand of football can be executed properly. You'd like to think there'll be a minimal bedding in. Yeah, period, I think... You'd yeah. like to think that he could actually... Is, it, is, he, is, is he's due to come in January... According to reports, is that correct? Yeah, it looks like he's going to come in immediately, yeah. So, you you know, what's to say that he couldn't have some form of impact in the second half of the season for Liverpool? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is possible. I think that's one of the very, very few downsides to the deal. The fact that he's coming from such a weak league in comparison to the Premier League. Mm. Um, I'd say that combined with the fact that he's a little bit lightweight are, are perhaps the only two downsides for me. But other than that, but then he played well in Champions League, didn't he, against the league yeah. opposition? Yeah, exactly. And that should offer a bit of an insight into how he'll cope. But, you know, for those that don't know, he's got a 7. Point, I think it was 7.5, was it? 7.25, something like that. Million pound million, release yeah. clause. Um, so Liverpool are getting him really, really cheap. He's 24 years old. Um, very versatile. He's played, in, he's played across four attacking positions for Salzburg inside the past year or so. Um he doesn't suffer from injuries very often. He's 24 years old. He is a, he's a Japanese player as well, which I think is key. Because um, I think he's Liverpool's first ever Japanese player 
we're obviously on the verge of doing a deal with Nike, mm. uh, whereby we get um, fees from shirt sales mm. and things like that. So if we have a, you know, an Asian figure in the team, if you like. This was a very good point. Yeah, in the mould of, uh, you know, Kagawa, uh, Hyunming Son, Parchi Sung. Mm. Liverpool have never really had that. No, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how we, how we do regarding that. Yeah, no, that's it. That's that. That's just a, an aspect that you know um, the commercial aspect that maybe other other clubs wouldn't focus on. Uh, yeah, and that I think is very wise by Liverpool. I think saying that, I think perhaps Man United fo- are focused too much on that. That's, you know, as I was talking, I was thinking unless you're Man United, in which you're only focused on the commercial side of things, but um, yeah. he's just a really good player, and you know, the especially when Liverpool haven't got any real they've got players who can come in across the front front three but they haven't really got a player of that ability or who's the same kind of elk as, as the front three that are there now to come in and you know just just ease that kind of um potential drop in performance that that sometimes happen when Liverpool have to rotate. Yeah, it just it just seems to make plenty of sense to deal considering the price uh Liverpool obviously very efficient in the way that they do recruit. Um, economic use of resources and things like that, and as I said, I think th- the fact that the transfer is low risk, I think, is is one of the main reasons why we're interested in the deal. I think, mm. you know, Liverpool have benefited over the course of a number of years now from not getting a single sign and wrong. Really, it, we haven't bought anyone, invested money in anyone that we've had to take a hit on. Mm. Even Carius, who's perhaps the only failure under Klopp, we got him for six million. Mm. We've probably got that back from loan fees in the in the in the meantime. He might even be sold for that when he does leave because yeah, it's exactly. not a lot of money, is it? Exactly, really? and con- considering Minamino's level, mm. uh, you know, what he offers on the pitch and his age, even if he was to fail, you're probably getting more than seven million back mm. if, if, if you sell him to a Bournemouth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Oh, they'll be waiting, mate. <laughs> but it's it's just a, a really sensible sign, mm. just an, an, another rotation option for the attackers. I think what makes it more interesting is it's also... It does help. Listen, every single player on the pitch has a role to play, don't they? But there's just something a little bit more enticing when it's an exciting flair player, isn't it? You know, someone who can kind of attack really well and just get you get you off your seat almost. And um, yeah, especially a player who's performed well against your club. Mm. I think I think back to when we signed Wijnaldum. Actually, Wijnaldum mm. scored a hat trick against us at St yeah. James's Park, and a couple of months later, we signed him. So. Well, I was saying, I wonder how much of that actually. Yeah, we were saying the pod, we, we were saying the Christian, weren't we? Yeah, yeah. That um, I wonder how much the signing is has come on the back of these performances because we we always give Liverpool the benefit of the doubt in terms of their recruitment because they're so good at it. We assume that players that they do buy, they've been looking at for a long time, normally ahead of the curve and so on. But I just wonder whether this is an example of watching a player perform so well and think, listen, we need we need them. We let's go and buy them. Because um, we named a few examples, didn't we? Um, what one did you use? You said about United with Ronaldo. Yeah, I remember Ferguson faced Sporting, um, mm. and I think the United players came off the pitch to like to Rio Ferdinand was saying, you know, saying to, saying to Ferguson, you've got to sign that kid because yeah. you know we couldn't get near him and things like that. Yeah. And Obviously, Everton did the same with Fellaini. They played standard age in the then UEFA Cup, now Europa League, and he was fantastic over two legs, and they went straight ahead and bought him. Um, and both of those examples we've used there, whilst I'm sure there's a million and one that weren't, both of those examples turned on to be, you know, good and good players. And well, I think I think he will be the same. I think if Liverpool have done that, 
they'll have no doubt reinforced that eye test on, you know, all kinds behind the scenes. Mm. The fact that he's got this release clause, the fact that he doesn't suffer from injuries often, the marketability of him with him being an Asian player. Yeah. His, he's versatile across the front. It does no just suits it, the pattern. It's just such a well, sensible yeah. move, mm. such a sensible sign. And so, it's the first uh, Liverpool sign that we've really been able to speak about on this yeah, podcast, true, even yeah. since since the Christian Welsh days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, good news as far as I'm concerned, and uh, it'd be interesting to see how he does if he if he's actually confirmed. We should say that mm. it's probably very very close at this point, but it's not official. No. You know, well, we, we, uh, before we come in, the, the club, this is Red Bull Salzburg themselves. The Was it the CEO? Or, it or was the sporting director sporting of the director. Salzburg. It confirmed the discussions, hadn't he? So, yeah. I mean, it looks good. So, fingers crossed. Yeah. So, we'll see how that one goes anyway. Um, but um, we'll move on. Just before we do, I want to... Go on. <laughs> so, we were talking about where, where he come from. Minamino just wanted to pronounce his name once <laughs> correct, and I did. Um, and it was a, a team called Serizo Os- Osazaka. Osaka. Osaka. Uh, yeah. Um, Serizo Osaka. And um, just before we come on, I was having a little look, in, look at them because obviously it, they're not, they weren't on my radar. I don't know if they were on yours. <laughs> no. But clearly they must be on um, Salzburg, who tend to do good recruitments. And they've actually had a few decent names that have come over. And um, probably the most high-profile one, Kagawa. I was thinking, actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, uh, obviously Kagawa played. Isabella, he went straight to Dortmund, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he actually, I think he goes from there to Dortmund. So it just may be a little, um, from what I've read so far, they seem to be a bit of a hotbed in terms of producing, you know, yeah. good talents from a young age. So maybe they're the club to keep an eye on in the uh, in the future. Yeah. Trying to get ahead of the curve on recruitments. Well, just an added word on that, actually. I think in in the past, people have maybe made a comment when we've signed maybe the likes of Van Dyke for 70-odd million. Mm. And some people are inclined to say, why didn't we sign Van Dyke before Celtic were, were mm. aware of him? Yeah. And my argument has always been, because at that point, the player will have flaws, he'll have inefficiencies, and you'll suffer as a result of mm. those. So my perception's always been, let the smaller clubs suffer from those. Mm. Once he gets to a consistent top level, then sign him. Yeah. Okay, you pay a bit more, but you get the end product. And Liverpool are so high up in the food chain that it's worth it's worth taking up that role. Yeah. But this kind of signing, I think you can do. Because I, I think Liverpool, maybe a couple of years ago, would have let Southampton sign this player. Mm. And then we'll have maybe monitored how he did and, and then maybe look to sign him. But I think when you get to a position of strength like Liverpool and the squad's built and there's not a great deal that you need to add, I think then you can start signing like to these players, like your early Van Dykes mm. and your early Firminos. you just got to do it once you're in a position of strength rather than doing it when you're actually trying to rebuild. Because if you're doing it while you're trying to rebuild, those players will will suffer inefficiencies on the pitch and you'll, it'll cost you, but it shouldn't cost us at the moment if no. he's making mistakes. I mean, the key difference is, as you said, Liverpool now in the, like, 0.1% of of the world, really, in terms of elite clubs. And, you know, they're now in a position where they can buy these players and not be reliant on them, which is the big difference. So, you know, a, a club lower down on, as you called it, the food chain, 
might bring a player like this in, but need him to kind of hit the ground running and yeah, be exactly, a success. Yeah. Whereas if he proved to be, I don't know, a flop, for want of a better term, that's not going to impact Liverpool's season, is it? No, it's not going not to exactly. change I mean, anything for Liverpool. Um, and yeah, just, I, I totally, I just want to agree with your point that you said about them, you know, they don't really need to go to the source because that's on sides who are below Liverpool and looking to bridge the gap to bring these players in, nurture them, suffer the mistakes that they make in, in, in trying to bridge that gap. But Liverpool just simply don't need to do that. Yeah, it's just interesting that Liverpool's past maybe two signings, excluding Asian, have been, you know, Sepp van den Berg mm. and now Minamino, mm. who, you know, they're both players that maybe aren't, aren't ready yet, but they, they very clearly have a ceiling whereby they, they can be. Mm. Liverpool are now in a position to give them enough time to be to be ready, save a bit of money in the process and keep going in the meantime with the strong squad that we've already got. Mm. Mm. Um, but we'll move on, in the, move on anyway to what I thought was Liverpool's easiest game of the season. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was crazy. It was just training session. Yeah, the bad ball, my fancy. I mean, we did... What What did we predict score-wise? I think it was... It, it was in and around the... Two or three or something. Yeah, yeah. I'm conscious to get too confident in case someone flags it, but I know... I Put this way, none of us really tip ball to get anything. <laughs> no. I think... Uh, I, I recall saying before the match that... Liverpool's past four results against Bournemouth were 3-0, 4-0, 3-0, 4-0. Was it 14-0 on aggregate? Yeah, it's yeah. now 17-0 <laughs> on aggregate because Liverpool have reverted again 2-3-0. Mm. And it was just a, a very, very easy contest, to be honest. It was concerning from Eddie Howe's perspective. Mm. Yeah, Concerning if you're a Bournemouth fan because I'm not exactly sure what they were trying to do. I don't That's know. That's it, they have no direction. I think, you know, you're struggling anyway. You've got the, you've got the European champions coming who are... Top, you know, it's the biggest game you're gonna have at home that season. They've just the, the flying off beating the local rivals in the derby. You know, you might have caught them cold, and maybe it's we gotta give some credit to Liverpool. That Liverpool was still really professional, but Bournemouth just didn't pose anything, did they? Just nothing. No, nothing at all. I mean, they, they faced City last season in the running, and they didn't have a single shot in 90 minutes, not one against Liverpool on the weekend. They had three shots, zero on target. Now, I'm going to use quite a strong word here, but I, I completely appreciate that Liverpool are a stronger team and you're you swimming against the tide. Mm. But I think that's that's bordering on pathetic. Do you think? I think it's, that's it's, too strong. I, no, I was, I was going to use the term criminal in the sense that you can't have a home game like that against... A home a, game, yeah. Home yeah, game. a home game and not have a shot on target. Albeit... I've had a look and that was the first first time this season that they haven't had a shot on target. So uh, maybe we do give credit to Liverpool for making it so hard for them. But I think we're objective on this, aren't we? And we can, we can appreciate that Liverpool are great, but also criticise the opposition for, for being so poor. And that's definitely the case here. Yeah, I mean, just a few more of the numbers. The expected goals on the day, Liverpool 2.5, Bournemouth 0.2. I mean, that's dominant, that is, in the 2.5. Yeah, well, that's that's basically how the match ended up. Mm. I mean, 2.5 to 0. 0.2, and the match finishes 3-0. That's virtually as predicted. Yeah. Uh, 74% possession for Liverpool. And we completed over three times as many passes <laughs> on the day. <laughs> it was just terrible. From from Obviously, maybe I'm... 
focusing too much on Bournemouth being bad. Obviously, Liverpool were very good. No, but I think we could, from your point of view, you could whack Liverpool about Liverpool, couldn't you? I think it's maybe just trying to bring some ob- objectiveness to the Yeah, to the it's just like watching Liverpool every single week and yeah. I'm used to it teams posing some threat mm. and having a, having a go if you like sound mm. a bit like Andy Gray but <laughs> it, it was it was just very a bit like it was it was what I expected Palace to do you know what I was saying Hodgson will just yeah. roll over mm. I was expecting a bit more of that at Palace it didn't really happen that way I think Liverpool was slightly off it on the day but Bournemouth were just really really inferior and play like a league two side um, it was actually you know what we just uh, I know we've got a little bit more about Bournemouth, but it was actually a, a, a big weekend, wasn't it, for Liverpool, really, in terms of results elsewhere? It was, yeah. I mean, we just touched touch a very very little on City. I haven't actually put it down on the agenda, but it, it did cross my mind that we, we mentioned a couple of weeks ago that, you know, h- how will these injuries affect City and things like that? And I think we made it clear that these top sides, particularly Guardiola and how his style of play is, really demanding yeah. on the on the players. Mm. You know, if, if you make a mistake in Guardiola's system as a defender, perhaps, uh, particularly on the halfway line, it, you're probably going to give away a chance, mm. even though you're miles away from goal. So mm. I think they're suffering at the minute from basically players not being good enough to execute what Guardiola wants. Mm. Yeah. And that may be a little, little bit of a lack of hunger as well. Yeah, yeah, they don't just seem to have the same drive, do they? I mean, they're still... They're still dominant in a lot of places. You know, I, I had to write a piece for the MEN and I had a look at how dominant they are in certain areas of the pitch, you know, just like your ball possession, shots, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're still like top ranking across Europe, but there's just that fragility in the back now and it's teams just exposing it too easy. I, I, I can't, and I think we can, I don't want to jinx it, but I think we can write City off now definitely for the for the title. Yeah, I I would pro- I got asked this yesterday actually in terms of uh, what would I give Leicester and and City in that as a percentage mm. to win the league? I'd I'd rate I'd rate them probably the same at the minute. I'd give them both about ten percent probability, and I'd give Liverpool eighty. Mm. Um, yeah, that's no, but, that's fair. But from my perspective, I don't want to get ahead of the curve, but I, it does feel done to me. Yeah, same. I can't see this Liverpool team being caught. There's a, I think it's an eight point gap to Leicester. You know, if the, for me, if the if the gap was three points and everybody else was firing on all cylinders, you know, a repeat of last season, and Liverpool were still just three points ahead, I'd still be backing Liverpool <laughs> to win the title. And the fact that they've got such a cushion and the closest side chasing them are, yeah, doing well, very good side, but. I don't think they can replicate what Liverpool and City have been doing over the, obviously not City the last few weeks, but say last year. There's no way I think they can just go and win every game for the rest of the season here. Yeah, um, I mean, we... we I prob- just can't say how Liverpool don't win the title. No, I'm, I'm to be honest, I am the same. Yeah. It feels weird to say, because obviously never happened in my lifetime. Mm. But uh, the whole Leicester thing, we will obviously get to in a, in about one or two weeks yeah, because we faced them on yeah. Boxing Day. Um, and, you know, we might as well finish off on Bournemouth, um, round up on Bournemouth. I think it's important to note that the opening goal, mm-hmm. we kind of, uh, what was the word? We kind of like suggested it may happen, I suppose, because... Up Bourne- and over. Up and over, yeah. Bournemouth conceded two against Spurs to Deli Alley. Um, just, I think both of them, certainly the first one was assisted by Eric Dyer, second one might have been Alderweireld. 
but just a straight ball over the top because Bournemouth are relatively high but not pressing the ball. Mm. Uh, you just play a ball over the top and stays away you're in. And uh, Liverpool did exactly that. Um, Henderson over the top, Chamberlain, and it's it's scored on his first touch. Really simple goal to concede. I do love I do love that Liverpool just don't have one set way of attacking. Like everyone talks about the wing wing backs, and that might be the be the primary route, but just the the up and overs. Just there's, there's just so many different ways. It's like they'll always have an answer for whatever you do to stop them. Yeah, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, and um, I said there's definitely not nothing wrong with direct football or balls over the top. Providing they execute as well, um, but it seems to be it seems to be coming coming back in the game quite a lot actually. But the the thing is, if you're kind of like sitting in the set defence, and you've got the threat of a ball going in behind you, mm. that's likely to stretch the defence between the midfield, isn't it? And create space in and around where Firmino drops into. Mm. So it's that double jeopardy type yeah, um, it, type yeah. vibe for the centre backs mm. is a ball going to go behind us is it going to go in front of us and if they think it's going behind and it quickly goes in front then for me it's probably got space to receive the ball yeah. sort of thing so it's just <clears throat> it's it's that thing of posing two tactical questions at once that's what Liverpool are really good at doing but also being able to implement them as well you know so as I yeah. say if it, if, it do, if it does go if it does go long like Henderson Henderson's long balls and Seems to I haven't got any data to back it up, but just from watching them, he seems. I always remember them getting a bit of stick, but he seems to deliver really good long passes. Yeah, I mean, in the preview last week, I, I thought Van Dijk would play. Mm. I thought Van Dijk would be be the one playing those passes. He's hit a few of those. He hit one at Bayern away. Yeah, Mane remember, yeah, scored. For Mane's goal. He hit one at Sheffield United earlier in the season mm. for Mane again, but Mane for whatever reasons fluffed his lines. Uh, but you know, Henderson played it on the day, uh, so. Liverpool opened the scoring through that. Um, and another win, another comfortable win. Mm. So I think the gap to City's is 14, 14 points. Yeah. Eight point gap to Leicester. We have to keep plowing on on this podcast every week as though we're still in a contest, but are we? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, I, no. I don't. I think it's done. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I can't foresee how it would collapse unless Liverpool collapsed and... I don't know, some sides, like the 13-14 the side on the Rodgers, it felt like, you know, they had that in them where they could, even yeah, though they were good sides. Of, maybe a bit of a lack of control. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Whereas this Liverpool side, just you'd have to rely on kind of fluke results in a sequence to drop points. Um, I just can't see it. I mean, obviously you don't want complacency this evening. No, but uh, I just don't, once we, again, we, I don't think this team's we, guilty of it. No, no, but I think we mm. probably sound a little bit complacent on this show now, and you'll, you'll get you'll get a few listening thinking, Arrogance. We need, yeah, we need to keep our heads down also. But it's it's just uh, it's it's this Liverpool team, and it's they, they don't really best team in Europe at the minute for me mm. comfortably. Yeah, I, the, the way I can only def- defend that point of view is if we were talking about the Bundesliga now, and it was a similar situation between three sides, we'd be saying the exact same thing. You know, yeah. if say I don't know Dortmund buying with leading with by so many points and looking so good, you'd be like, listen, that that for me that title race is over, and I think this one is. I think it's just going to be when now when they can win it. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel. Another competition that is that has been a bit a little bit trickier for us to contest in mm-hmm. this year is the Champions League. 
Obviously, yeah. we had South Spakey on the week. And again, it was quite mad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think? First 20 minutes. Which I, I should say that I, I missed the first five to 10 minutes. So the initial onslaught that Salzburg apparently had, mm. I didn't catch. I feel like this altered your narrative a little bit. Yeah, in maybe. The start. Maybe. Um, yeah, listen, after 20 minutes, both teams had had five attempts on goal. And I thought, here we go. This is that game that we were waiting for. Um, bit of a nerve shredder for Liverpool fans. But in reality... I, I think I texted you after the game, didn't I? I was like, that was one of the best performances I've seen from Liverpool, even in the context of how good they are now in a long time. Like, they just... They, they controlled the game against the previously uncontrollable Salzburg, really. Yeah, I mean, it was... It, for me, once the end of the match happened then anyway, at least up until that point, it was a little bit shaky, I suppose. But once you had time to reflect, I think it was... It was a really mature, mm. you know, type of performance that a, a European champion mm. would would exhibit, sort yeah. of thing. Um, when it mattered as well. Yeah, I think it was very clearly an important game. And I think Liverpool just, I don't know, they just turned up, I think, for, for want of mm. a better word. I think they just they just show, showed why they're the champions. Yeah. And, why they're such an elite team at the minute. I mean, to be fair, I think it was important, wasn't it, not to concede in that first 20 minutes or so when they did have chances. And, you know, Alisson pulled off a really good save um, against Liverpool's potential new new player, actually, wasn't it? I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, so that was a big moment and that's why he's there. Um, and that probably shouldn't... <laughs> that probably shouldn't be forgotten. Um that was a big moment. But yeah, I thought they kind of rolled out the first crazy 10, 15, 20 minutes. And then after that, yeah, it was just a really, really good performance. And obviously Liverpool could have scored a half of themselves. Yeah, I mean, it was, for, for large periods, it was very much you have a go, we have a go sort of vibe. Mm. And we've spoken in the past about if you're going to do that with Liverpool, you may score, but you're probably going to concede more on the opposite end. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and that was kind of the way I played out. I didn't expect Liverpool to keep a clean sheet. Uh, I think that's two in a row, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Two in it a row, yeah. I did say... Yeah, he yeah, did say <laughs> that, it was that, coming, that, yeah. That'll come. I must admit I didn't expect this one to come. Uh, but yeah, it was a, a, a strong Liverpool performance. I had that as... Um, I think it was the third lowest XG of the season for Salzburg. Yeah, well, Which, that's, that says it all. I mean, yeah. it's certainly a team that can attack. Mm. Certainly a team that not know how to play, basically. Hence why Minamino's going to be you know, relatively suitable. He's not, he's not coming over from an Austrian Burnley, exactly, mm-hmm. is he? Um, but, you know, a, a word on Mohamed Salah, mm. because up until his goal, which I'm, I think it was around the 60th minute or so, he'd missed a variety of chances. Mm-hmm. Then he goes and scores, obviously, the, the, the maddest finish of them all. Yeah. Um, but I think that, that performance epitomised Salah. Yeah. Because there's two ways of viewing that two ways of viewing him there he's either a a reckless you know inefficient player if you like who needs five chances to score or you can look at him as he's the player that consistently gets five chances mm. which is easier said than done mm. see what I mean yeah no yeah so it's um, obviously we've used the term like output player before oh you say data player a lot don't you um, that's what he is and if if you if you create that many chances for them, 
he will score uh, on this occasion. It just happened to be the, the most difficult one. Um, but the only thing is, I, I see a lot of people giving him stick for the chances he misses. And I get it, you know, if, it, if the game was tight and he misses chances like that and you end up having a negative result, then the criticism's warranted. But we're not talking about a player here, are we, that doesn't produce match-winning moments. Like, he, for over the last two years, he's done that. And I think that's a key difference. He still he still does produce these match-winning moments. And for that reason, I don't think really you can criticise him too much. No, I mean, he, he did it in the, the charity Shield. It was a community shield. I was getting them mixed up. Community, yeah. Community. Mm. Early in the season, he had he had 10 shots mm. against Manchester City, but he didn't score one of them. Mm. And I think, he, you know, the match ratings after the game, he gets like a five and things like that. But Divock Origi on the opposite side had one shot. Didn't score it, but because he didn't miss nine, hmm. he's he, he gets off the hook if you like. But the player that gets ten ten shots, ten shots away during the match, okay, he didn't score any that day. But the reason he's getting on the end of ten is why he's a top player hmm. and why Liverpool spotted him with the whole data approach. Well, Harry Harry Kane's the same, isn't he? Like, you know, if, if you actually watch Harry Kane, and I don't mean just like a highlight show or, or you know once or twice a season when your team plays him if you watch him consistently and the data backs it up he's the same he gets the ball anywhere near the box he just shoots and they're not always the greatest shots but it's just all about the output for them and obviously that reward that's rewarded with goals and him and Salah are very um, very similar in that sense yeah I mean another player who maybe hasn't hit the ground running since joining surprisingly but obviously after the match he was getting all kinds of praise uh, Naby Keita mm. obviously he used to play for Salzburg uh, yeah, I think he was he was quite impressed with him on the day weren't he? yeah yeah it was definitely yeah he, uh, that that was that was Keita that Liverpool signed and this for me now is going to be a huge spell for the player like this is going to be his biggest period since joining the club I think because if he can do I don't know eight games now without an injury you know, I know he's not like automatic starter, but if he can go eight games without breaking down, I think that's going to be Liverpool getting there, man. I think that's finally going to be Keita arrived, and he's gonna he's gonna be a great dynamic for Liverpool. In that time, if he breaks down again or has a niggle injury that keeps him out for a few weeks, I'm concerned for him. I think it'll go back to what I said in the show a few weeks ago about he may not ever materialise and have to go and play somewhere else. I just So I just think these next few weeks are going to be huge. But in terms of the performance on that night, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I think once... And played well against Bournemouth, actually. Well, he did, and that's one thing I'm going to say. One slight concern is that he's performed well against Bournemouth and he's performed well against Salzburg. Both of those are Bundesliga-type teams mm. in terms of being open. Mm. Um, they'll have a go at you to an extent they're not particularly difficult to to play through sort of thing and I think it's you know obviously Keita showed his best period mm. in Germany in the Bundesliga if you watch Bundesliga matches consistently it's a really open league it's it's just you know end to end stuff yeah. sort of thing every team's a pressing team it's a bit mad no shock that Keita was able to play, play through um, defensive blocks and things like that so I would like to see Keita keep doing it against teams that... I mean, he has, he has done it, to be fair. He made a difference against against United at Old Trafford, obviously, with the goal that we scored. He played well against Genk, but again, 
little bit of a, a weak defensive side, I suppose, but he's got to be useful and he's got to be able to apply himself in games beyond beyond the likes of Bournemouth and Salzburg. Mm. So, I mean, we've got Watford on the weekend, which we'll move on to in a sec. But although they're not performing particularly well, it'll be interesting to see if he plays in that game and if he does well and things like that, because yeah. a bit more of a physical side, a bit more well-drilled defensively, even though they're not looking, looking that way. So... I'm not being too harsh. No, no, I get, I get it. The only thing I suppose, if I'm going to try and um, play devil's advocate and support him a little bit, is maybe it's just the playing time is being quite restricted, hasn't it? Um, and because of these injuries and how good the starting eleven is, that he hasn't played a, a lot of those other games. So maybe that's something we'll see in the in the coming weeks and months as he plays a little bit more. Yeah, all being I mean, well fitness-wise. I mean, I suppose all I'm saying is. If before this week started, you'd have said to me, Cater will start both those matches and, and play really well, I wouldn't be particularly surprised because oh, okay, of yeah. the types of games he he is he's made for, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, hopefully he continue in the same vein and perhaps even against Watford, the most unlucky team <laughs> in the Premier League at the minute, I think, mm-hmm. safe to say. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, been think, a, it's been a tough season for them, actually. Very tough season. Um, do, do, do you have any issues with the way they run in terms of uh, hiring a fire? And yeah, I do. Actually, I've actually put, I've actually flagged that as something I want to talk about. Just because, do you remember not so long ago, they had a so-called great club structure, um, <laughs> which the foundations were great and yet the manager was, to an extent in their eyes, a bit irrelevant. It was just whoever they had in at the time. And I think that's being found out a little bit now because, in my opinion, you, even if you have a good structure in place, you still need a manager to lead the on-the-pitch instructions and tactics and um, they're chopping the change and that's too much for me. Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons, I suppose, they're, that they're valued by people like us, I suppose, is that, that they've got a really good, or a thorough, a thorough scouting network, yeah. at least. Um you know, it's quite expansive and things like that. And I think their scout network actually goes into managers as well. I think the likes of Gracia mm. and Sanchez Flores and that is, is almost part of their um, portfolio of managers, yeah. if you like. Mm. Um, but I think this season have been strangely run. I think if you was going to sack Gracia, it should have happened in the summer. Agree, um, yeah. I think you could sense a, a downfall based on the numbers and things like that towards the end of the season. Lost the FA Cup finals six 0 was it? Yeah, in a, in a bad way as well. Yeah, not great. Well, obviously um, he got beat six 0 but it's just it was a considering you'd got to the final, you know, you wanted a little bit more. Yeah, and he replaced them with a man who's who's been there before, mm. so there's no new fresh ideas, no no real managerial bounce that's going to happen. Um, and in his first, I think two or three games, he faced Manchester City at the Etihad. Mm. Got hammered. Yeah. Now they've appointed Nigel Pearson, who. Mind you, I don't think he's taking charge on the weekend. I think he's in the stands. But if he is taking charge, it's, again, first game at Anfield. Mm. bit crazy, but I don't know. I've, the way they've been run, people can't really complain because they've they've generally done quite well regarding results. But we, we've spoken in the past, haven't we, about the long-term perks mm. of having a coaching for, yeah. for a long period of time in terms of working on little 1% and things like that. Um, and what for that, really getting the chance to do that, but... Yeah, guy, guy or um, 
I don't know what the title to give the guy who does all the work behind the scenes on Blood Red, I suppose I'll say, said that he is the 11th manager they've had under the current ownership. Yeah, since 2012. I mean, that's... when you, It's different, isn't it? Yeah, when the manager are outperforming the years, then that's, a, that's an issue, isn't it? Yeah, it'd uh, be interesting to see if Guy wants to check whether uh, <laughs> whether that's the most in the Premier League. I, the only team I can think of that can compete with that is possibly Chelsea, but I think that was more of a... In, in 2005 period, 2000. Yeah, before. and even, I assume, well, I don't know, and I don't think Wofford have generally had many interims either, that they've tended to be full-time appointments. Yeah, yeah, I can't think of many other many other teams that have gone through managers like that. Either way, it's strange, isn't it? It is, and um, perhaps it's one of the reasons why they've underperformed this season, um, to a weird level, certainly in the attack. So they've been expected to score 18.9 goals, so... Based on the chances that they've created, you'd expect about 19 goals by Watford. And they've actually scored nine. I'm as, I haven't actually checked this, but that's surely the, the least in the division. Shall I have a look? Yeah, yeah double-check yeah. that. Um, and defensively, a little bit less, but still underperforms, I suppose. They've, they've expected to concede 28 and they've conceded 30. It um, is the fewest by some distance, actually. Yeah. You know, the second fewest is Palace and they've got five more goals. Yeah, and if you, if you actually look at their, their attacking numbers, they are terrible. Mm. In, in terms of, you know, actual application in terms of executing. So the, the expected goals per shot, which offers an insight into how clear-cut their chances are, is only worsened by Palace. Uh, it's level with Newcastle in the Premier League. Which isn't good. <laughs> no. Trust me. And the bottom of the league for shots on target, with 28% of their shots finding the target, mm. Liverpool, for perspective, are second with 39.5% of their shots finding the target. So it's weird. It's weird because I'm not sure if you, if you can look at a manager in this case and think to yourself, are they not finding the target because they're just not motivated? <laughs> or or mm. what, 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 Something's what, not right, yeah. What conclusions can you derive from just poor finishing? Because it's, it's weird, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about this before. Um, when we were at a Statsbomb conference early in the year and they were talking about Ben Teche, weren't they? And how he went a year without scoring. And actually, if you look at the footage, there was, there was just delays and unleashing the shots and yeah um, started to doubt himself doubting himself yeah and I suppose there's an element of that with with Watford at the moment um, I mean I was having a little you just drilled down the numbers there I was having a look at the pair 90 stuff this season and when you said about them underperforming and maybe being a bit unlucky it seems to me like the matches are actually fairly close but they're just not doing enough to well, one tip it in their favour, and two not getting the luck as well. Now the although the goals we know aren't great, the XG per ninety is four one point one nine against one point five four. They tend to have just over ten shots per game, and the opposition tend to have over eleven. Possession is close to forty four percent for them, and obviously that's fifty six percent for the opposition. So they are on paper at least, fairly tight games, aren't they? Um, but they're just not doing enough to actually win them. And when you, the luck's not going your way, they can very easily, the results can go against you. 
Yeah, it's just been a strange season for them because from an expected goals perspective, we would usually look at that and suggest that it's not going to continue and they're not this bad going forward. Mm. And once they start actually being able to find a net, things are level out for them. But mm. I don't know, just when you're seeing them struggle to find a target to that extent and they're underperforming the goals to that extent as well and they've changed managers for the third time now, you just can't help thinking to yourself, well, maybe they're just, you know, not not right mentally mm. in terms yeah. of application or... Totally I'm not sure. It's difficult one to, uh, to actually conclude and... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's definitely hard to quantify, but I just, I totally agree with the point you're making in terms of maybe the psychological aspects. I don't know if it was on this show or another one we we do where I, I referenced how, um, how since I've been working in football, I think you agreed, the psychological aspects of the game now have become huge for me in terms of how they impact results and performances. And it's something I maybe... And I was aware of, but didn't value as much as I do now. And certainly that could, could have a huge impact on how they perform this season. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's relatively safe to say that they're not relegation standard. I don't know, you know, I think then Do you think? Yeah, I think they I think they're in trouble. What what's the league table saying? No, now? I think I think I'd say they're in trouble, but I just don't think they're Oh, in terms of like maybe as, underlying performances. Just Overall, yeah, the overall picture, what they're actually doing compared to what they're expected to do. I'd say they're about, I don't know, between 15 and 20th or so. Mm, Sorry, not 20th, they're not 20th. They're not the 20th, they're not the way I see in the league. No, I mean, just on, I mean, we, we've just basically, um, we've just basically talked about the issues in front of goal, but, um, sorry, I'm just having a look at the table now. Yeah, see, the, the, <laughs> Just purely on the points returned, they, they just look in, in trouble now. Okay. I just think it's going to be a match that isn't going to be an absolute walk in the park. The six, six points off safety. Um, yeah. For the Liverpool perspective. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's going to be an absolute walk in the park because we're not, we're not facing a, a team that is 20th and has scored only nine and has got how many points? Nine. Nine points nine as well. Points, yeah. I just don't, they can't be that bad. Yeah, they've had one league win all season. Having said that, Liverpool do tend to do quite well against Watford, particularly Mohamed Salah, similar to Bournemouth, actually. Mm. I think Watford and Bournemouth are Klopp's favourite two opponents and Salah's favourite two opponents. Mm. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how it actually goes down. Um, but looking at the attacking side of Watford's game this season, you... If they were to score at Anfield, it'd be a shock because mm-hmm. they don't they don't look capable of finding the net, certainly not against the best defensive team mm-hmm. in the league for me. Arguably the toughest ground. It should be a clean sheet, shouldn't it? Yeah. The thing is with Liverpool as well, even if they do concede a free goal, you know, to get anything against Liverpool, I haven't got the averages in front of me, but I know that you, you need to be scoring more than once to get anything out of the game, don't you? And... There's no, I just don't believe there's a chance that Watford are going to score, you know, over a goal, never mind a goal. So, um, yeah, I I think this will be a, I think this is going to be a hammer in this game. But we might as well, might as well do that now, verdict, going for the scoreline. I'll go 4-0, but Liverpool not getting out of their gear. I'm going to go 4-0 as well, I think. Mm. Uh, don't, don't know if the new manager bounce counts if he's in the stands. <laughs> <laughs> um 
And if you are just going to shut up shop against this Liverpool team, considering this is Liverpool's last Premier League fixture, I think for for a week or so because mm. of the uh, Club World Cup, I think we'll want to just you know make a statement if you like and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um. So just before we round up, uh, general thoughts on who Liverpool can face in the next round of the Champions League. So Real Madrid, Atlanta, Atletico Madrid, Borussia Dortmund, and Leon. Who's the easiest? Who's the worst? Just general. Obviously, we haven't prepared for this one. Yeah, I think I, I'd probably take on the pitch, Leon. Um, I know Atalanta to many would seem as the obvious choice, but there's something about them this year that I just I'd I'd like to avoid. You know, first Champions League campaign, they've did the best to go out and they've ended up managing to qualify by the. By the skin of the teeth, I suppose. I'm very lucky to get through, and um, I don't know. They just have that feel that like you just want to avoid them. Yeah, Leon a seventh. In, yeah, Leon a seventh in Ligue 1. Um So yeah, although you know what, if I was Liverpool, I'd uh, I wouldn't mind getting Real Madrid. You know, the parts of me would love to knock Real Madrid out this competition, but at the same time, they're not. They're not great. Don't get me no. wrong, but they have those players. A load of um, moments, players, if you like, who, mm. can, who can, you know, they've got the quality to beat you on any, on any given day. I don't think they would. Mm. But just that, having lost the final to them last time we faced, it would be a killer to yeah. uh, okay, to yeah. lose again against them. So I would I would be confident if we do against them, but it's just that kind of like, a bit like, <clears throat> a bit like when we drew Spurs in the Champions League final, the fear of losing to an English team, mm. the fear of losing to Madrid would be quite strong too. So are you saying Leon as well? Yeah, my my preferred draw would be Leon. What's your thoughts on Atalanta? Uh, good. Just, yeah, yeah, good team. Mm-hmm. I, I would like to avoid them. Watch Monday Night Football a couple of days ago, and Carragher and Neville got up the the most points amassed by every team in Europe's mm-hmm. top five leagues since the turn of the year, I think, or something like that. The, the last nine months or so it was, and Liverpool were top by some distance. Barcelona, PSG. Buying and Atlanta were there mm. inside the top six or seven or so. So they're a, bit, they're a bit like an Italian Spurs from Spurs a couple of years ago. Yeah, in terms of just climbing up by doing good things. I know I can't. I've looked at some metrics recently that they were looking fairly good in in terms of. Um, yeah, I can't remember. Oh yeah, that was it. They've, they've had like the fifth most shots across Europe. Um, you know, they, they tend to dribble quite well. I think they've got a fairly decent defensive record as well. So they're just, they are, a lot of people kind of, may, they're maybe not on the radar yet, but they're a the good side, aren't they? Yeah, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, th- I do think we'd beat all of those teams probably. Yeah, that, that, there's but, not a side really in Europe now that I'd, I'd back to beat Liverpool. There's no. definitely sides who would give them a game, but yeah. there's no one that'd go, they, they'd beat Liverpool. No, I think, I think my choice would be Leon mm. and... My last choice would probably be Atletico Madrid, mm. just because I like the way Liverpool's intensity seems to shock most teams in Europe, just because of the pace at which they usually play compared mm. to what Liverpool deliver. Yeah, and I think Atletico are one of the few in Europe that will almost embrace that. Just they seem to be a very intense side on the Simeone and things like that. So I don't, I don't think we'll be able to shock them as much as we'd be able to shock. You know, one of the others, for example. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. Yeah, so we will round up there. Um, 
next week we'll be back on the Thursday and that'll be after Liverpool have played a match in the Club World Cup. We can't preview that now because we don't know who we're facing. Well, what's the big one, mate? The League Cup. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that getting overlooked if most. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so we, we'll review whoever we do facing the semi-final and if we get through, we'll preview the final and look ahead to whatever's upcoming beyond that. Uh, so thanks for joining us, Dave. Cheers, mate. Thanks, everyone. And thanks for listening. See you next week. You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.